Strengths. Do we yeah. want to run in? No. I need. We need to hold on. We need to pause. <laughs> <laughs> I need to pee. Be right back. A few moments later. He's <clears throat> back. Have you sufficiently bioed, Ricky? Oh, I don't know if I like that word. Bioed. Yes. Okay, well now I have to pee. So BRB. Are you really? fucking serious? All this talk about pain. <laughs> now I have to pee. Go. So I will BRB. I literally can't handle this. A few moments later. What color are my bones right now? I don't know. I came in at a weird time. Yeah. I think you came in at the right time. All right, I All have right, sufficiently bioed. Very nice. Very nice. I can't. Let's Onward. do this. Are you guys Strengths. ready? I gotta be ready. Welcome to No Clear Answers, where we explore the common challenges all humans, creators, and leaders face, and we break down preconceived notions of common self-help ideas. We are your hosts. I'm Ricky Goldenberg. I am Justin Mulvaney. And I am Corey Wilkes. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about strengths-based or strengths-informed approaches. And I figured we could dive right in, no nonsense. So, oh, Ricky wants a little nonsense. (laughs) No, my little nonsense is specifically on this one. I think you're going to have to give us some explanations of what we mean by this. Because Ricky, can you just trust me? We've given me the keys to this I, episode. I trust. can trust you, but trust. I just want to make sure that we're, you know, one of my strengths. <laughs> is not trusting my fellow podcasters. AKA curiosity. Which is, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I trust you, Justin, with my whole heart. So let's dive right in. I think for some of our listeners, they might not know what we mean when we say strength-based and strength-informed approaches. And so the first thing, this is literally what I have written down on my paper, Ricky. Um, It just shows that we have similar strengths. We think very much alike. Um, If you just trust the fucking process, Ricky. (laughs) This Virgo can't handle that. And this Virgo got triggered by you not trusting this Virgo. Okay, Virgo. God damn it. Uh, so yeah, in your respective domains, right? So when you, with the folks that you tend to work with, be they leaders, content creators, folks in transition, uh, when you say strengths-based approach or strengths-informed approach, I want to know what you each specifically mean when you say it and briefly for folks who aren't informed of it, right? Because I imagine some people who are listening, I imagine you're like, oh, I totally know this. And some of you are like, what? Um, what do you see as the benefits of a strengths-based approach before we actually get into the pitfalls? So what do you mean when you say strengths-based approach for the folks that you tend to work with and in your domains? And what do you see as the benefits of that? I can go. So <clears throat> when it comes to creators and focusing on strengths, for me, it's more of a, you have a finite amount of time, energy, and attention And on a day-to-day basis, your energy and attention replenish, but not your time, right? Time, once you spend it, it is gone. So learning to identify and leverage your strengths 
is how you get the most out of your time and then your energy and attention. Because, you know, some people would say, oh, you, sh you, sh you need to shore up your weaknesses. You need to try to basically strengthen your weaknesses. And that's one way to do it. But the majority of people I know who gain a lot of traction or really achieve, you know, their version of success, they get really good at identifying what they're really good at and then leaving the rest to somebody else. So it's a matter of where am I most valuable to my business? Well, let me focus on that and outsource, delegate, eliminate, whatever, you know, Eisenhower matrix. Let me outsource damn near everything else that I feasibly can so that I am only doing the work that I am best positioned to do and most valuable to my business on a day-to-day -day basis to do. So Corey, for you, it sounds like strengths-based for content creators is identifying what I'm good at so I can best utilize my limited resources of specifically time because that's totally non-renewable, but also my energy and attention and use those in the highest leverage way. Yeah, maximizing ROI for those resources. Yeah, 100%. Totally. Ricky. Yeah, so for me, um, what I really like about strengths-based work is a lot of the folks that I work with are super like ambitious go-getters. They're sort of thriving, they're crushing it. Um, and, but at the same time, if you ask them what they're good at, they're not yet quite sure what they're good at. And so a lot of the work that I love to do is getting clarity around those strengths or sort of superpowers that exist within that person and finding the Venn diagram between those strengths and also what they enjoy doing. Because that comes up with a lot of the folks that I work with that sometimes your whole career has been built on something that is a strength, but not something of joy. And so a lot of the work that I end up doing is, first of all, getting really clear, getting a lot of clarity around what you are strong at, what you sort of what comes second nature. A lot of the folks that I work with, it's around getting clear on things that they don't even realize is a strength because it's so easy. And then finding that Venn diagram between the things that they're good at and the things that they also enjoy doing. Because oftentimes that sliver in the middle is the space that we can play on. Um, and even the things that you enjoy doing that might not be a strength, it's not necessarily a weakness. It's actually just an area of exploration, curiosity, additional depth that we want to work within. Um, there is some work around weaknesses that I, because it feels like that's the flip side of the conversation sometimes. But I'll be honest, most of the time when we're talking about weaknesses, it's usually around releasing external expectations of what they should be good at. So a lot of times it's, it's not necessarily around delegation or releasing or hiring sometimes. Sometimes it's more about recognizing, oh, that's something that I think I should be good at, but that's actually coming from some preconceived notion and expectation of what quote unquote a leader looks like or what I need for that promotion or what it looks like to get that next position. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's sort of how I play it. I also, I use it not necessarily as like the end all be all decision-making tool, because like I just said, some of this is also around what I know I'm good at, what I enjoy, what I think I'd enjoy. There's a little bit of directional play when I think about strengths-based work. And recognizing your strengths also makes it easier to take those risks and try new things. And so that can be really enjoyable as well. That's how I usually think about it. Yeah. I love how you plugged in joy. And I think that there's a really profound point around the benefit of strengths-based approaches is uh, being explicit about strengths-based approaches. 
is oftentimes we're doing this sort of like unconsciously, like we're most of us aren't going out through the world and being like, I'm going to do a bunch of stuff that I'm bad at. But very few of us, I, I find, take the time to sit back and be like, what am I really uniquely good at? And Ricky, I think what you're pointing out is super important. Oftentimes you can't even see it mm-hmm. because it's, it's so natural to you that you actually need other people to point at it for you because you're like, what do you mean I'm good at this? It's just, I just do it. I would, this is hard for you. I know a lot of the times when I've worked with people, they're like, what do you mean I'm good at this? This is hard for other people. And it's like, yes, yes. Hands very down, hard. Hands down, that might be, of many of my clients, that might be one of their favorite things about working with me. Mm. Is they're like, I walk away from working with you, like knowing that I'm good at stuff that I didn't realize is like stuff to be good at. Mm-hmm. And then they create this entire narration around how that impacts their next promotion or like how they're dealing with the C-suite or how they're transitioning to a new role. And- Oof, being seen for those like latent superpowers, delicious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you, Justin? So, you know me, I love a technical definition. For me, strengths-based, and I'll apply it specifically to leadership, right? It's it's leading primarily with a focus and on creating and seizing opportunities through strengths or those capabilities which you're good at, right? as opposed to leading with a focus on improving weaknesses or deficiencies. So for me, strengths-based or strengths-informed is actually where do I primarily put my focus? Where does my attention go to when I work? Tactically, what this means, very similar to Ricky, like it's, it's generating an awareness of strengths. What are my strengths as a leader? You can also apply this to a leadership team. What is the, what are our strengths as a collective? And also what are our strengths as a company, right? Versus operating from Ricky, I love what you said, uh, a definition of what good leadership or a good leadership team should be or what our, how our company should operate. One big things that I noticed is this is a flight for me from best practices. Gosh, that's a, I found through the last couple episodes, this is a soapbox for me, like a war against best practices. This is like, There's no way to do this right. Let's actually focus on what you're good at. And I think the kind of primary benefits for me are one is sustainability, right? Mm. Rallying against weaknesses is exhausting. Playing in things that you're not good at and you don't enjoy is exhausting. And so I think necessarily, if you really want to play a long game, leaning into the things that you're good at and the things that you love doing will just let you keep going. You're energetically aligned. And second, I honestly think when done correctly, it really increases your chances of success. And the analogy that came up for me, it was really like a a video game. Like imagine you're on a quest and there are like two different paths. You can go through a cave to get to the end. And one of them has a bunch of like magic things you need to go through. And another one, you just have to fight a bunch of monsters and theoretically, like maybe the the one where you fight a bunch of monsters is the one that everyone goes down. But if you're a group of wizards, right, probably makes sense to go down the one with all the magic stuff, right? And so, again, there's this primary focus not on what's going on out there, what are other people doing, what are the best practices, but really what are we uniquely good at and how do we want to chart a course based on that? You're basically, again, going back to like nerd terms, like video games and things, you're specializing, right? Yes. That's effectively what you're saying. Like, again, with 
you know, RPGs and, and things like that, like games that have wizards and barbarians and paladins or some shit, everybody kind of has their role. And they're really, really good within that role. But if they try to fill the role of somebody else, well, now all of a sudden they just fucking suck. So it's just like you can either re-specialize or stay in your fucking lane and find somebody that fills that other role that you need way better. Precisely. Because there are trade-offs, right? Again, you said wizards, so this is where I, you know, my brain goes. Traditionally, like with D&D and things, wizards, spellcasters are squishy, right? They're really easy to kill, but they're really, really good at like magical shit. Well, a wizard isn't going to like go up into your face and punch you or swing a sword because they fucking suck at it. That's what the fighter's for or the melee people, right? If you're melee, you're a shitty caster. If you're a caster, you're probably shitty in melee range. Yes, I fucking love D&D. You started this. They're both laughing hysterically for anybody who can't see. I, I want to I say when I... I initially thought of the video game analogy beforehand. I was like, this might be risky. We might lose some of the audience. What I did not anticipate was that Corey would see that and use it to bite 10 times harder on the nerd analogy. So many life lessons in D&D, man. Uh, What I think is um, important to call out, Corey, that what you said in there is, yeah, I think there's also a commitment in strengths-based approaches to uh, bringing in people, delegating or bringing in people for the things that you're not strong at, but that you assess as being imperative for your mission, your vision, your team, whatever. So that's an important part of strengths-based approaches for me done correct is not only am I playing to my strengths, but I have a commitment to pass around and, and have resources that can play to things that are showing up, but aren't in my strengths. Well, and so even like this probably comes up in your perspective more, Justin, like with, with founders and things, a lot of times successful companies and that I've seen tend to have like two founders, right? Like co-founders. One is more like the technical, like operator person. The other is more like the visionary, like big idea type. The, the visionary, again, stereotypically, the visionary sucks at executing, but the person who's really good at like the operator may not think long-term, but they're really good at getting shit done. It is a very rare person that has both. Right now, if you have both, awesome, you'll, you'll go really far. But the majority of the time, identifying which of these are you more or is more aligned with the strengths you have, and then how can you find somebody who complements your strengths? How do they compensate for your weaknesses, but how do they complement your strengths? And those are the companies, the businesses that tend to go really far because they fill both of those roles. I also, as we were talking, there were some words that we were, going, that we were throwing out that I thought were really interesting and were highlighting for me, which is that, um, Corey, you were talking about sort of, as it helps sort of specialize as you're working. And even in the description that you were help, that you were also sharing. And I think, I end up working with a lot of folks that are in creative tech space as well. And something that comes up is this idea of specialist versus generalist, which sometimes also looks like individual contributor versus manager. And as you think about strengths-based, there's kind of this conceptual misconception, I think, which is the idea that to be strengths-based is actually to be a specialist. Like, you know, I'm a person who does this thing and therefore that is my craft. And one of the things that I really like about strengths-based work is that 
it applies to both people who are specialists, who are individual contributors, who are like, I do this thing really, really well. I hire outside. Same with, which could be like that executor vision mate, but it also works if you're more of a generalist, right? Your strengths are still applicable in that space. And that's something that a lot of people that I work with often are, are um, hanging out in that tension, which is like, oh, my strengths, if I'm a specialist, how will I ever become the next level? Because at some point you top out and like, how do I get better? And so that's actually one of the things that's really helpful as you're thinking about playing in the strength space is understanding to me, the thing that I love about it is that it's actually highlighting craft. Like as you start to know your strengths, as you start to know what you're really good at, you can start to hone in on the craft in that space and also recognize that yes, let's say your goal is to go from IC to manager. Then that means that you will need to start looking at the gaps that you need to fulfill. But you also, we don't even know if those aren't strengths of yours yet because you haven't played in that space yet too. So that's one of the things that I think about a lot, especially when we play in strengths-based work as well, is that it's often based on previous experience, not necessarily future opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so something that I think that sometimes we can get stuck on is like, oh, these are my strengths. These are my, you know, I'm a Virgo. I'm going to hang out in Virgo land all the time. But ultimately, as we're playing on those previous strengths, if we start to transmute them and think about what they look like in the future, there's an opportunity to build out those additional strengths that are adjacent and or sort of deepening of that craft-based skill. I love that. I want to use that to start to pivot into, because I hear we're starting to get into some of the nuance of the issue, mm -hmm. right? There's some nuance. So what are some pitfalls? What are some cons? What are some traps that can come up when we start to think about strengths-based approach? I, I want to dive in actually quickly, Ricky, playing off of something that you just said, which is, I think one thing that's really important to differentiate and it's going to crazily inform the path that you want to take in your career is notably, I think there's a big difference between tactical or fun functional strengths and more meta level or characteristic strengths, right? And in my experience, especially with leaders or folks who ascribe to leadership, which one you're doing your strengths based or strength form informed approach for makes all the difference. So a tactical or functional strength for me is it's a skill, right? It's literally a skill. It's like, I'm really good at financial modeling. I'm really good at design. I'm really good at programming, right? Or very, even more specific sub levels of that. And if that's the strength-based or strength-informed approach, that's going to take you down one path. There's another level of strength that's much more meta, right? Um, I'm really good at influencing others. I'm really good at strategy. I'm really good at just analysis in general. I'm good at communication, relationship building. That's much more like a broad level up. And so one trap is if I really want to go into like, let's say I'm an IC and I want to go into leadership or I've come from an IC and I've become a founder. If I over index on those tactical and those functional strengths and I'm hooked on that's where I need to be strengths-based. Instead of playing up and no, I have these much more broad general strengths that I can deploy in all sorts of tactical and functional ways. That is a A plus recipe for getting stuck if you ascribe to being a leader or aspire. I yeah. I love that. I also think about when you talk about the, the meta strengths, recognizing how those map to some of your tactical strengths and they map in different ways, right? If you think about someone who can influence others, you still need that if one of your tactical strengths is programming, 
you, you often don't get to hang out in like a little hidey hole and code. At some point, you're going to have to show people your code. You're going to have to talk about why you're doing it the certain way that you're doing. You're going to have to figure out like, is it going to meet that? And so being able to sort of think about both the tactical functional and the meta coming together is incredibly powerful. Yeah. And I, I think letting the, listen, if you want to be a really successful IC, you want to be like a staff level, leaning way into tactical or functional is probably an incredible way of doing that, right? But you're still going to need that meta, man. That's you, not going away. You will need it. I'm with you. Yeah. For me, it's if you really want to be a leader, for me, you need to focus on the meta characteristics and let the tactical functional flex, right? One example is like the really killer salesperson who eventually gets up into sales leadership. If you're set on my strength is sales and closing deals, you, that transition is going to be bumpy. Versus if you can view this as a much broader skill set of relationship building and partnership building, well, damn, that can pivot into a ton of stuff. That can pivot into internal partnerships, partnering, being a good partner to other managers at the org. It can uh, pivot into managing a board and working with other key stakeholders, right? But the difference, one of them, in my experience, allows for a little bit more flexibility and adaptability, which is necessary for leadership. And the other can really, it's, it niches you down a little bit more, which maybe you want, but may restrict your flexibility in ways that are important. Mm -hmm. Two things on this. So one, I think as far as a, again, the rigidity thing, rigidity leading to pathology just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. So like mm -hmm. in my case, right? Like with coaching, I, like my old job, I was doing therapy and I was working with medical leaders, like directors of medical programs and all this other stuff. I could have easily said, Oh, <clears throat> I'm going to coach leaders of medical clinics and things and, and help them improve their leadership skills. I could have done that. I did that low key at work. And I would have been good at it, but I wanted nothing to do with the medical field after I left because it's, a, it's an energy management thing. Like it just fucking drains me, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's great money in the medical field. If you like that, cool, do it. I fucking hate it all. Just the, the overly clinical side of all of it. So just because I was good at it, didn't mean I had to go do that. Right. <clears throat> Cause I think a lot of people, it's almost like the sunk cost fallacy. Well, I've spent 20 years getting good at this skill. I, I have, I've boxed myself in. I have to keep doing it. You don't, which brings me to the second point. You don't in that current capacity. Cause kind of like what you were talking about, Justin, like there are, there are those meta skills that you have cultivated around that central tactical skill. Right? So one of the guys I know, his name's Robbie Crabtree. Uh, Robbie, was a trial attorney. He had like a hundred and some trials. He would do like murder trials and all this other shit. And he would teach um like speech and debate almost, I think, um, at his, at the local college. And he would help people like, hey, you're you're law students. I'm going to teach you all the things I've learned because I've learned inherently <laughs> facts don't sway people. Stories do. I have lost really big trials, even though the facts are on my side, because the opposing attorney told a better story. So when I realized that I learned storytelling, I studied fiction, nonfiction, movies, pop culture, all this other shit, books, comics, whatever, to become a better storyteller. And that made me a much more effective attorney. 
Well, he took that skill that he cultivated as an attorney, and then he started um, like basically a public speaking course to help creators and other people learn what he called like performative speaking, like storytelling to sway people. And then he did that for a little bit. And then he took, he realized that he really got a lot of energy out of helping founders use storytelling to raise rounds and then shit. And that is what he's pivoted to currently. Like he isn't just teaching individual people. He goes and he teaches these, these big companies, these founders, what these startups, all of these storytelling skills that he cultivated as a trial attorney doing murder trials and shit, but helping them raise hundreds of millions of dollars through the power of storytelling. Right. So just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to keep doing it in that specific context. There are probably, if you, if you scope, if you zoom out, there are a lot of other ways you can apply those skills to endeavors and domains that are much more energizing. And Corey, as you're talking, I'm thinking there's, again, there's another universe where uh, an attorney had the same thing happen and realized like, screw it. I don't want to go learn storytelling, right? I want to double down on just this logical legalese, wanted to stay in that tactical skill set, which is fine, but that's going to take your career or your, your arc in general in a very specific direction. Ricky, what's cooking over there? No, I was thinking about sort of more of the nuance around the strengths work. I was in, I was in my own little world, um, but I was thinking about it. I feel like when I think of the nuance and sort of some of the dangers or pitfalls, one, I, I feel like I was kind of tapping on this, which is this idea of like strengths often are based on past performance, not necessarily future opportunity. And so if there's a space that you really want to get strong in this other thing that you haven't done yet, and that thing is aligned with something that you think you would enjoy, something that you think is important to you, something that that is a skill that you are interested in going through that entirely uncomfortable experience of learning, then do it, even if it doesn't, you know, even if it's something that whatever recent personality test you took told you it wasn't in your skill set, it's like still freaking do it. Um, the way that I think about sort of the nuance that happens within strengths work also is, is these, is these two things that sometimes happen. One is, um, sometimes folks, they're so focused on their own strengths that they get really frustrated with other people who do things differently. Um, and that happens a lot in like a lot of the folks that I work with who are in like tricky inter team dynamics or working within the folks that they're managing, et cetera. Um, that's something that can actually be a bit of a pitfall, which is when you're really tight on your strengths, but you haven't really like put language to them. Sometimes what happens is that you get angry or frustrated or annoyed by the other people around you and the way that they're approaching things because you're like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. Fact of the matter is if we apply some like empathy, emotional intelligence, and, like awareness of people around us, they're approaching it in a different way than you. Maybe they have different values. Maybe they have a different purpose than you do. And that's where this is coming from. But, you know, it comes back, like Corey, it comes back to being rigid, right? We don't, we can't be so rigid in our strengths and not recognize the value in other people's strengths. So that's one of the things that I sometimes see is that if we haven't gotten clear on what our strengths are and, and, or we're being too rigid around them, ultimately we can get really frustrated with the people that we're working with and or the opportunities. The other nuance that comes around strengths for me when I think about this is, um, you know, when we think about weaknesses. 
oftentimes we see that as like, oh no, it's terrible. Like you're an awful person. You'll never survive. You have to get better at this. And it's like, okay, cool. And to me, the approach there is that what can be helpful is recognizing, okay, what are these things that I actually do want to get a little bit more knowledge around, dive into it a little bit, just have a better understanding. What are the things that I kind of want to offload? And the nuance and complexity that shows up there sometimes is when we offload or delegate something that we should not. That's one of the things that I sometimes see in terms of the nuance around strengths is that sometimes what we do is we say, okay, I'm only going to focus on my strengths and completely ignore all of my weaknesses. Someone else will deal with this. And while that, what you actually just did was you created a motherfucking babysitter for you. That's what you did because you basically said, oh, I don't want to deal with X, Y, Z. So-and-so is going to be like my handler. A lot of the women I work with run into this, that they're dealing with like a CEO or someone in a powerful position that can't get shit done. And because they know it's their weakness, they bring in this other person who's going to like handle them. And so that's one of the other dangers that can happen in strengths-based approach is that rather than sort of stepping back and being like, well, what of this do I actually need to work on myself? Maybe this is like more of a weakness. Those are some of the places that I get frustrated when it comes to strengths-based work. Yeah. I. What was the question? You're, I went on a, I went on my own little it, journey it there. It was awesome. I also got really <laughs> mad at someone in my head. Y'all don't know who it was, but I was like, oh, that person. It was a, a male a CEO somewhere for sure. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> um, Y'all better I, I want to underline all of that. Um, agreed. I think huge pitfall is when I use – strength, when I make strengths based or strengths informed strengths only, and then use it as an excuse to stop evolving. Yes. That huge danger. Now, listen, you can do it if that's what you want to do. If you want to be frozen in time and do the same thing for the rest of your career, that's fine. You can do that, but you're going to get stuck. And so strengths informed, strengths based for me is akin to saying, hey, I know I have these strengths, which are tools that I have in a toolkit. And so when I approach a problem, I go, what tools do I have to fix this? But I'm also not blinding myself to if I'm going, there's a major tool here that's missing. And hmm, maybe I should add that to the toolkit. And there's a fine line here between I'm bringing somebody in to replace this and complement it for me and I'm giving this away so I no longer have to evolve. And really the thing there is you just have to be super honest with myself, with yourself, right? Am I frozen? And you see this with CEOs all the time where they're not conscious of this. They start way over delegating and then at some point they've frozen themselves in time. The company's proceeded for 24 months and then the board goes, you're not suited to run this company anymore because you let yourself freeze. And so just notice, am I being strengths-based or am I ceasing to evolve? Am I, am I calcifying around what I'm... It's also a thing, so like with creators, it's a thing of what do you want to be good at, right? So mm -hmm. for example, let's say I'm trying to make YouTube videos and I'm a really good storyteller but I suck at creating visuals and maybe I suck at using Adobe Premiere. Well, the question I have to ask myself is, am I trying to be a world-class editor? If the answer is no, then I should reasonably outsource that to somebody else because even if, so let's say I can do it at hundred percent and I can outsource to somebody who does it at 80% the, the quality that I could do. Okay. But if that frees up five hours for me, 
I can spend that five hours recording another three videos and then outsource those to somebody too. Right. So that now I'm focusing on the thing I want to become world-class at. I want to become a world-class storyteller through, through video. Well, I'm not trying to be a world-class video editor or color grader or, you know, fucking Adobe after effects user, right? Like those aren't the things I'm actually trying to optimize for now. Yeah. I, Cause I think what you all, the, the heart of what I'm hearing from you all is you don't want to outsource the things that make you valuable because then you need a handle. You don't want to kind of handicap yourself by saying, well, I, I don't learn anything about the financials of my company because I'm not the finance guy. Uh, you're kind oh, of I fucking yourself, right? <laughs> like that's a little different, right? You need to be aware of things, even if you don't specialize in them. Right. But for a lot of the other, like just very like tactical concrete things you could, if you could put it into an SOP, like a fucking user manual, those are easy things for you to immediately start outsourcing, right? Be aware of them, especially like if you need to like fill in real quick, like occasionally, but those are the things that in my mind are top of your priority list to outsource so that you can focus, right? It's like all this AI shit right now, right? Cause I'm in the creator space. Everybody's all these fucking threads about AI and as AI is going to take our jobs, right? Somebody's always trying to take your fucking job. It's always some demographic, right? Right now it's AI. And it's just like, the reality is AI is very good tactically. It's good at, at finding information for you, synthesizing it, you know, making a concise outline or something. But AI doesn't have your story, your expertise, your experiences. So we have right now what we're seeing in the creator space is a lot of people are trying to outsource creativity to AI. Hey, chat GPT, create a YouTube script for me. Write my landing page. And it's just like, okay, but you're outsourcing the only advantage you have, which is your fucking creativity, your experiences, your story. Outsource the, the, the other shit. That is unique to you and you're giving that away, right? I think that's part of what we're talking about right now is don't give away your unique thing to somebody else. Focus on that. Outsource all the non-unique shit. Yeah. And I think at the same time, and I love that, Corey, and I think at the same time, it's also recognizing, right, we're not going to give up everything that's of value. We're, we should still be aware of kind of what else is happening and how it's happening. And at the same time, you know, the other thing is is being aware of when these things should be delegated, even if it is a strength of yours. I think the example you just gave, Corey, was really good for a creator, right? It's like, I'm a great storyteller. I'm going to create YouTube and I can figure out the editing stuff. And actually I might even enjoy figure out figuring out the editing stuff. And in fact, it might be fun for me to like deep dive into it and get super fucking smart in this space. But is that the best use of time? Is that an area that I do need to cultivate my capacity or actually can I, can I call it and can I say, I know enough about it to be able to write a great brief for someone else to pull this together and they're going to be doing it in half the time that I'd be doing it with a better out product than I would and I can kind of get out of my own way. That's the other thing that I think happens is that if when we're really strong in a space it's so funny and we're like tension in all these different areas. It's like we also sometimes don't delegate because 
you know, we, we kind of enjoy it. And if we don't delegate, we're not giving an opportunity for the team to grow, right? I'm not saying, okay, give the entire finance team free reign and we never look at what they're doing again. It's just recognizing like you might not need to be the person that's in the spreadsheets all the time because you know what you're doing. You might be able to look at like the summary of the information and always deep dive into if you need to and be able to accurately assess if the person is doing what they need to be doing. Yeah, I think what you, I hear everyone pointing to is, when making decisions about strengths-based, weaknesses, et cetera, and how you want to play it, is just really maintaining awareness of how does this unfold over the long run, mm-hmm. right? So Corey's example with the, I'm not going to learn the financials of my company. You can make that choice, but I wouldn't just say, I'm weak at financials. I'm going to throw it away. I would say, cool, I'm weak at financials. I know that I don't want to handle it, but what happens if I just totally delegate it, if I don't think about it at all? Am I happy with that level of risk? Am I happy with what might happen from that? Or I don't need to get my, a whole additional tool belt that with a bunch of finance tools, but maybe I want like a tape measure that helps me at least understand it at a base level. And what Ricky's pointing to is same thing. Maybe it actually sounds super fun for me to go and build out a school, skill set around something. But if I zoom out, is that actually the long run evolution that I'm targeting? Is that really the way that I want to be growing? And there's, so there's a lot of different ways that strengths-based stuff can unfold. And the question is just, is that unfolding in alignment with where I really want to be going? The one point I want to come back to too that Ricky made is, yeah, again, another huge underline for, I think a huge pitfall is I'm strengths-based. I play to my strengths. And anytime somebody doesn't create a setting for me to do that, or I sense that I can't do it, I am freaking out, right? (laughs) Like I have not learned how to play happily with other people with other approaches and other strengths. That is a core skill set for being strengths-based, strengths-informed is I know how to leverage my strengths in a way that's complementary with others, not just bulldozing them through or needing them to be there, as well as not using it as an excuse to be totally blind to your weaknesses. I think this is a huge one. If you just can, if you can clearly articulate all of your strengths and not articulate your weaknesses, you are in a precarious position. Ricky is grimacing. Ricky literally has a grimace. So dangerous. Right? (laughs) And and so strengths-based approaches are awesome and understand the pitfalls of your strengths-based approach, especially if you're a leader because you're going to need to bring in some people that can help complement that, right? Otherwise, you're going to build a huge Achilles heel for yourself. I, there was like a great post hanging around on the interwebs recently that was talking about the number one shared trait of really, um, of really solid, talented leaders. And it wasn't like strategy. It wasn't communication. It wasn't like, you know, perseverance or, you know, grittiness or risk. It was self-awareness. It's like the number one shared trait of fantastic leaders is self-awareness. And so Justin, when you were saying that, it was like, ding, ding, ding. Like if I can only speak to my strengths, that's actually not self-awareness. That's like, that's, that's like tunnel vision based on just wanting to hear I'm good at things. Like the best part of being a really incredible leader or individual in general is being aware of like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not so good at. And, and that's okay. I'm human. I am human. It is okay to have things that we are not good at. If you were good at everything, you would not be a person. 
You literally wouldn't exist. Nobody is perfect. Stop that. So if you're listening and you go, yeah, Ricky, you're so right. I, it's so important for me to know the ways that I suck and you know them all. <laughs> That's not for you. Go get strengths informed. Yes. If you're sitting listening and you go, I know all my strengths and eh, I don't know about that, Ricky. You need that. The medicine is for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually a really important part of this. If you really want to deploy a strengths-based approach in an effective, rich way, strengths-informed and strengths-based also means weakness-aware and weakness-informed. Well, and I think another thing, too, is when it comes to taking a strengths-based or informed approach, you kind of have two options. And they're not mutually exclusive, but you can either add to your strengths list, right? Like you can cultivate additional strengths, but you can also find ways of bringing things into your strengths, like your wheelhouse, right? So for example, let's say I'm a really good storyteller. That is a superpower I have. So when I come to an obstacle or something, I'm like, well, fuck, I don't really know what to do right now. I don't like, this is a weakness I have. Well, how can you bring that into your wheelhouse into your strengths area, right? So simple example, let's say I'm trying to, I've created a course and I'm trying to develop a landing page for it or vice versa, right? I'm, I'm building a landing page. I'm like, well, fuck, I don't understand copywriting. There's all these different, you know, frameworks and pastor model, the ADA, all these other things. I don't know what to do. Well, I could outsource that. I could, or I could say, well, how can I bring this into my wheelhouse? I'm one of my superpowers is storytelling. Well, let me just pretend all I'm trying to do is tell a compelling story, which by the way is all the fuck copywriting is, right? So it, it, it brings this supposed weakness into your wheelhouse. So you're turning weaknesses into strengths. You're turning obstacles into leverage, right? So getting, so taking an inventory of the things you are very good at, like, I don't just mean like, oh, I'm good at my job. I'm good at Excel. Okay, cool. Put you know Microsoft Excel down in your strengths column, but also like, are you a good listener? Are you a good communicator? Are you really good at making introductions and making you know not small talk, but are you good at conversing with people for a prolonged period of time? Right. I remember when I um, applied to the the doc program in grad school, and I remember sitting there in the interview. And everybody at the table, they had been teaching for years. They were all in fucking like fancy suits and shit. They came from like better colleges than me, all this other shit. They had way higher GPAs than me because I fucked off a lot in undergrad. And I, and they were like, you know, we only have five spots available and there's 30 plus people. Here. Well, I'm, well, I'm fucked. And we had two 30 minute interviews. That was it. For each of mine. The first 25 minutes, we just sat and bullshitted about nothing, nothing related to, to, at the time, therapy or anything like sports, politics, a local area, just absolutely nothing. And then the last five minutes, they're like, okay, so why do you want to be in this program? So I walked out of both of them thinking these motherfuckers didn't want me at all. They didn't even ask like what I'm good at or like, you know, why I want to be in the program. The next day I got a call. They're like, Hey, you got in. I'm like, that's awesome. Fucking how they're like. In order to be good at therapy, you have to be able to put people at ease through conversation. You have to be able to build a very safe, you know, psychological safety. You have to be able to build a casual relationship with somebody in a very short amount of time. They were like, you did that. And I was like, 
well, fuck, I could have told you I could do that. I spent four years in undergrad being a recruiter for my fraternity. All the fuck I did was talk to people. I can talk to anybody about anything, as everybody who's listening to this fucking podcast can tell. I can talk for hours without any fucking topic, right? So if that's what the fuck you're trying to grade me on, I could have saved you 30 minutes, right? I, 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 at the time, I inadvertently pulled that into my wheelhouse. I wasn't competing with people on grades or prestige or other shit. I was like... This interview is about making small talk and just talking to people like real people. I can do that all day. So now, anytime I struggle with something, I'm like, how can I just turn this into a casual conversation? That is how I network. That is how I get coaching clients. That is how I, you know, I, I engage in my courses. I just approach it as a casual conversation. Yeah. I love that story. I think that's just pointing to something huge, which is, for me, that's the difference between tactical strengths and knowing your meta strengths and understanding mm -hmm. I, I'm not attached. And again, you, I really want to drive this point home. You can build a beautiful career being super attached to tactical and functional strengths. Oh, yeah. A lot of people do it. And if you want to evolve as a leader and get into chaotic and complex games and be a founder and do your own thing, I find it's much more helpful to go down to the engine. What are the real foundational characteristic strengths here? And then for every challenge you meet, just be like, cool, how will that help me here? And assume that it will, because it will. Just go, cool, how, how can this help me tackle this challenge? So, you wanna go, Ricky? I just have one thing that I wanna say that we've, been, that we've been highlighting here, which is we've been talking a lot about, or at least, yeah, we've been talking a little bit about like weaknesses and being aware of that as well. I'm just going to throw this out here because we didn't clarify this necessarily and maybe we'll get into it. It's like, you also don't have to tell everybody your weaknesses. I just had this moment that I was thinking about this as we're talking and I was like, it's okay that you know, it's it, self-awareness is okay if it, it ends with, I know where my weaknesses are and I don't necessarily communicate them to everybody and everyone that I ever work with. Like you don't have to walk in the room and be like, hi, I'm Ricky. I have a little bit of difficulty with managing two tasks at once. Like that's not, you know, when they ask you like, what are your weaknesses in an interview? Mm, I care that's too like much. a fake question. <laughs> I care too much about people. I'm too much I of a perfectionist. <laughs> That's like, a trash you know, fucking question. It is a trash question. I come to work you drunk know. every day. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> I day oh, that drink. Like a That's my weakness. real weakness. <laughs> I'm, I'm quick to anger. That's my weakness. I'm working on it. I carry I'll, my I'll sometimes, with me. I'll sometimes just disappear for days at a time and not let you know. Yeah. It's usually <laughs> when there's a deadline. Yeah. <laughs> I will fuck off as much as possible and work as little as possible. The minimum I need to do to not get fired. That is my honest answer as an employee. I'm I'm quietly stoking an uprising. <laughs> On Fridays, I log into Slack, but I really just pretend to work. I don't do anything. I play video games with Slack open next to me. <laughs> anyway. Thank you. I think that's a beautiful point, Ricky. I want to pivot us now into some reconstruction. So... We've talked about what is strengths-based approach, what we see as the benefits, where are some pitfalls. We've also kind of wandered into how we see it operating more effectively. But how would you all, let's, people are listening now probably going, how could I deploy a strengths-based approach? What do you recommend? And I, I pass that on to us. What do you recommend? Whether you're working with a client, whether you're just casually in conversation with somebody and they go, how could I, how would you recommend I go about 
leveraging a strengths-based approach. What do you have for him? What the fuck are you good at? Like a strengths-based approach or a strengths-informed approach starts with a strengths inventory. What the fuck are you good at? Because if you don't know that, you can't do shit beyond that. How do you do that? So like, so like you take off your humble hat for a second, right. And brag on yourself. Like legitimately, what the fuck are you good at? Like, you you know, you're not, you're not going to be a narcissist. I'm not going to think you're, you're being a humble brag or whatever. Like what the fuck are you good at? Right. List. And, and again, not just like technical aspects of previous jobs, you can add that, but also fundamentally, like what are universal skills you're good at communication, making, making people feel at ease, right? Whatever leading people, learning to see the long-term vision, communicating a long-term vision to people to get them on board, right? You can kind of, you know, beat that drum to get people to, to row, right? That sort of a thing. What the fuck are you good at? Right. Other questions you can kind of consider are, you know, what comes naturally to you? Like what, what do you do that other people see as work? Cause you're like, well, this is, this is just normal for me. Like this, this doesn't feel effortful for me right? What are your core competencies? What do you tend to be better at than most people in whatever that is, right? What do people tend to approach you for help with? And then what parts of historically the work you've done, the jobs you've had, whatever, what parts of of that work seem to just come super easy to you that other people seem to struggle with? Those are simple questions. Those are good questions. I think that what's what's really nice about those questions is that they start with kind of like, what are you good at? Which a lot of people can answer that on surface level. But some of the other questions, Corey, that you were highlighting help dive a little bit deeper into the things that you might not know about. And I actually, the one that really hit for me was um, not, well, what comes naturally to you? Yes. Great question. What I really loved is what do people come to you for and with? That's a beautiful question because that's usually the stuff that you don't even realize is a superpower. And sometimes it's also the stuff that you don't like to do. You start playing with that Venn diagram that I was talking about in the beginning, but it starts to give you like a list of sort of what are the things that you're, that you're good at. And I think that through that, you'll start to find you might, the list might end up looking pretty tactical, but you can ultimately often draw themes that are more in terms of the meta. That's one of the things that can happen there is ultimately sometimes it's tactical. The other places that you might look as you're thinking about your strengths is if you're in more of a corporate setting, you might actually look at past performance reviews. You might look at like notes from your previous mentor or manager, um, sort of what what has happened there. And and then for me, I'm just I'm I'm gonna add on mine because I feel like again, what Corey highlighted is really the root of it. I will say that a lot of times the folks that I work with, we kind of start with a lot of the strengths-based work, but then through our work together, we unearth other things that they're very good at because they, they, it still wouldn't have come to mind. You know, it's, it's, you might have someone who's like, Oh, I really need bones and structure. That's like a tactical thing that once I have bones and structure, I can execute. But as we're working together, we're like, it's not bones and structure friend. It, you know, it's actually, you're good at creating the structure from nothing. That just makes you feel safer. Your actual strength is the ability to grow from nothing. And so being aware of that and then for me, I do it with all my clients, almost all my clients. I do, I like the Gallup's Strengths Finder um, because it's it's actually based on freaking like science. It's, it's not Myers Briggs created by a mother daughter team that they just made up 
They just made it up, y'all. They just made it up. It's crazy. This is not technically just made up. And what I love about this one is that these are these are really meta. When you, Justin, I, I'm loving that language that you gave to us today. It's like super helpful for me. And they're really meta. And I also, a lot of times with folks that I'm working with, if you haven't taken it in a few years, I have them take it again because we change in the same way that I was saying, like previous base strengths. You know, for example, the first time I ever took this, I was doing a lot of sales. And one of the first strengths that I got was woo, which is like being able to woo people. And then it that one went away. At some point it was like, girlfriend, you're not a wooer. You're not a wooer. Get out of here. And now I have different skills and that's okay because I've grown as an individual. But those are, those are the things. Continuation of what Corey said, which was fantastic questions. And then I like a little strengths finder. What about you, Justin? Corey, I actually don't do as much self-inquiry around strengths. And so I like that that's really where you go on it. Like the, I, if you can get yourself, just letting yourself brag on yourself. Like I'm envisioning literally, if you're listening right now and you're like, I want to get clear on my strengths, uninhibit yourself, take out a voice memo and just talk shit for yourself about how good you are and just blurt. Don't like let the ego rip and then listen back and see what comes up. Cause I make up there's gold in there. Another prompt I had the thought of is, yeah, like, where do you just enjoy yourself the most at work? Because I think what Ricky's pointing to, I, those things tend to coincide, right? Flow state, enjoyment, and competence tend to come pretty closely together. And so if you're sh- struggling to brag on yourself going, yeah, when am I just having the best time? Because that's probably something that you're evolving or have some competence at. Huge plus one to strength finders. I actually think that's one of the best baseline tools that you can use if you want to get a quick one. I I found it to be stunningly accurate. I've used it with a lot of my coaching clients and I would say 90% plus usually go, wow, for the top five strengths that they spit out. It's also been my experience. So I found that to be a remarkably good assessment tool. I love it. Which one do you all prefer? The Gallup's from Gallup. It's StrengthsFinder. StrengthsFinder. Yeah, from Gallup. It, uh, it includes like a little quiz. Oh, I feel like I should tell everybody this, which is like the reason why I love it so much is the process of doing it is you fill out a quiz and the questions recently I was working with a client and they were like, those questions pissed me off. How am I supposed to compare those two things? How am I supposed to choose? And so it's, and it's, and timed, it's timed. It's timed. You have to do it fast. Like it forces you to the next question really, really fast. And so it's, it's, the questions are thoughtful. It moves really fast. And then you get this report out of your five and then you can read about them. And I love it. Sorry, Justin. I just had to. Yeah. And strength finders is cool. Cause there's two metas. They have the 34 strengths and the 34 strengths fit into four domains. So you actually get two layers of what are my strengths and what domains do I have concentrations of strengths in and might I have absences of strengths in, which is super cool. The other thing that I'll do that I really recommend to people who are serious about this stuff is self-guided 360 feedback with people around you. And you don't even have to do weaknesses. You can just do strengths, but pick up the phone, call 10 people, go, what qualities do I bring to a room? Uh, What is a special skill you see that I'm gifted at? When I'm at my best, the specific thing you see me doing is X, Y, Z. And what you'll notice is there's, there's, actually a ladder here. And I think that ladder becomes more relevant as you go through your career. So there's a foundational skill that is what are just the things that I am good at? There's the next level up, which is what do you see me as being uniquely good at? 
And then there's the final question that's like, what exactly am I doing when you're like, holy shit, I'm at my best? And that is more of a zone of genius question. And that this, in my experience, becomes more relevant the further along in your career you get. You can kind of afford to like index further on these like real superpowers that emerge. But I I love all three of these because I think self-inquiry gives you a lot of great answers. And assessment gives you another set of answers that you may have been blind to. And people around you, I mean, for me, that's been the most powerful. I get chills now. Like I have been rocked by the answers that I've gotten from people of them saying things that you are specifically good at with exactly what we talked about at the beginning of this episode with the, what do you, what do you mean? Other people aren't good. That's something you can be bad at was oftentimes Mm -hmm. the reaction. I, if you only were to pick one, my vote would be get info from some people around you, personal and professional. Mm -hmm. Really important to get both actually, because sometimes something that's showing up in your personal life that you didn't realize was like just an incredible thing can apply to your professional and you're not deploying it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the way we show up at, at home is not how we show up at work and that's okay. Yeah. But it's good to know it. Yeah. And the next questions for me, if we were to move beyond a strengths inventory, one is to really inspect, uh, what strengths am I not deploying? I, I, I kind of doing a gap analysis. What strengths am I not deploying and where am I not deploying them? And a little bit of what's going on there. Why have I devalued this strength? I find that can be super useful and then just start experimenting with deploying it. And I've yeah. had folks, for example, I've worked with a guy in finance and he's an he's very analyst, but he has a big relational strength and he found he wasn't using it. He was like, I just didn't think it was relevant for this role. He started doing it. He just started calling his coworkers, just picking up the phone for a chat. His through point of ideas went through the roof. His creativity went through the roof. And it was like, man, like sometimes these strengths, you, you think they are not valuable in a context and they really, really are. It's, it's wild. And when, when you know some of what those strengths are, it just kind of unlocks, it just unlocks something. Yeah. The core thing I would say too, is the art of this is also as you identify your strengths at first, not saying no to challenges, but really building the muscle of saying yes to every challenge and having the primary question be, how can I deploy my strengths to more effectively tackle this? Yeah. Cause that keeps you on that evolutionary arc while leaning into the strengths. I think it's also, um, I love thinking about these strengths as being like craft and deepening it. So for example, Corey, like one of the ones that's come up for you is storytelling. And, you know, recently you were posting about like all the books that you've read about writing. And that's a beautiful example, right? It's like, I already have this kind of inherent strength towards telling stories. So I'm going to even further enhance that by reading books about storytelling, learning more about different styles of storytelling, right? It's to me, it's also one of the things that I love about strengths is that you're not done, right? Just because this is something I'm good at doesn't mean that I can't keep going and getting more strength in that space and going even deeper into the craft-based learning of that strength. And if you're on a team, another beautiful thing that you can do is encourage all the people who are around you to do some of this work, right? One thing we haven't had a chance to touch a lot and we won't have the time for today is how does this strengths-based work deploy on a team? And I think one huge thing is getting aware of everyone's strengths, helping yeah. everyone lean into them. And then there's the real, sometimes messy, but beautiful art of how do we get all of these strengths in a symphony together where we're, we're really playing something beautiful together. 
I will say that, and just as a last thing, I will say this, which is that one of my favorite teams that I worked on, the woman who ran that design team, she made Ever and Do StrengthsFinder. That's how I first even learned about it. And then it was all mapped and it was mapped and we could see everyone's strengths. So we like all knew what we all brought to the table. And I still remember one of the things I loved was that she almost talked about us trying to collect all the strengths. She was like, ah, I just, you know, I want, I want us to kind of exhibit every strength possible. And at the same time, almost every single person on the team at the time had individualization as one of our strengths, which is like the capacity to sort of like really see individuals as their own. And so it highlighted just the vibe of that entire team. And it was such a beautiful entry point to that. So, yes. I need to take this skill. You do. Oh my gosh. I, have, I want you to take was- it and then tell us. Well, I was looking at, um, cause when I went through my coaching certification, we, we did like some testing and shit. Like I did like the MBTI part two mm-hmm. or some shit. Um, but then the other one is the CPI 260 coaching report for leaders. I have no fucking idea. Um, There's and I was looking at, there's so many of them. Yes. Um, but I was just trying to see what my, my strengths were a couple years ago that were self-reported. So it was, it was interesting. Yeah, I have a huge bias for simplicity, and that's why I like Strength Finders. There, there's a lot of complex leadership diagnostic tools you can do, and Strength Finders is just—I've only ever done the top five strengths. I, you can get a report yeah. that shows you the full stack rank of your thirty-four. This I one has did, eighteen for mine. Cool. Wow. Yeah, and I just did the report that shows you your top five because I think it's super it's informative. Enough. Yep, I like it's that enough. idea. Also y'all- doesn't weed out if you're a raging narcissist. You're like, I'm fucking good at everything. Like all of all of the strengths. <laughs> I have all the strengths. It's like, mm-hmm. eh, maybe there's something else going on. I can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> all right, y'all. Anything else you want to cover around strengths-based or strengths-informed approaches for our lovely listeners? Nailed lovely it. Viewers. Nailed That's our strength. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. What's our strength? Crushing this podcast. All right, y'all. Well, it's been a pleasure. And until next time. Toodles. Yeah.